Welcome to the Wheels Up Podcast, the resource to help business, executive, and VIP travelers stay safe on the ground and in the air. Join Executive Protection and Travel Security Specialist Troy Clayton as he shares tips on how to give yourself or those in your care a safe journey, no matter where your travels take you. Hey, welcome back to the Wheels Up Podcast. Today we're on episode three with Troy Clayton and me, Brett Jarman, the co-host. How are you doing today, Troy? I'm very well, Brett. Yourself? Excellent. Thank you. So today, Troy, we're going to move on to part two of uh, what we started in the last episode, which was the business travel safety and security checklist. So we've already covered what to do before you, you're going off on a business travel journey. And now we're going to cover, okay, what are you going to do during the journey to keep yourself safe and secure? Sound all right with you? Sounds good. All righty. Let's kick so it off. Let's, let's kick off by talking about uh, ground travel. Once we get there, assume the plane's arrived and we've, we've got through customs, how are we going to get around next? What are our options? Yeah, absolutely. So when you arrive, the first thing most people are going to be doing, all the travellers are going to be doing, is wanting to get to get to their uh, their hotel. Um, and the um, they need to make a decision how that's going to be done. Now, you know, companies may already have a policy in place for this. Um, however, we'll, we'll touch on a few, um, few methods of transport here. So there's a few, obviously, we can talk about. There's, uh, there's cabs um, versus uh, rideshare versus touts versus, you know, uh, security drivers. So let's just start with uh, rideshare. So this may be considered somewhat controversial, um, but at the moment, we here at, at Panoptic Solutions, we, we advocate using rideshare within the corporate space only as a last option. So, you know, although the, the last few years uh, there's been a tightening in legislation of rideshare, specifically in Australia and in, in some Asian countries, um, you know, it still hasn't been brought 100% in line with the taxi cab industry, uh, certainly not yet. Um, you know, there, there are improvements and I suspect that that'll come in, you know, and then they'll, they'll come in line with what's needed potentially within the next 12, 12 to 18 months. But uh, at the moment, we're not advising ride-sharing into travel policies. Um, there are a few positive mechanisms built in uh, with rideshare, including identifying who your driver will be straight up, um, but it's, it's still not as regulated from a safety perspective in that you know, it's not mandatory to have cameras inside vehicles. Uh, they don't have alarm systems uh, similar to that of, of taxis, um, you know, and the vehicle tracking that they have isn't fitted. Once they unplug or turn their phones off, the tracking ceases. Um, you know, they, they don't have compulsory independent uh, vehicle checks such as uh, that of, of, of taxis. Uh, and recently, one rideshare company was banned from operating in London uh, after being deemed not, not fit and proper, I think the terminology was, to, to operate there. So, you know, the, the, the crux of it was that it was reported that uh, there are a few safety concerns from a, from a corporate point of view. You know, that said, from what I understand, um, you know, that rideshare company is, is, um, is still operating in London. And it's um, it's going through through the legal system. So, you know, from from a legal point of view, um, you know, with one of the rideshare apps, you know, once you hit that, you accept all the terms and conditions, uh, which you know, no doubt, no one has actually read. Uh, you're actually agreeing that they are not a transport provider, uh, and as such, they're not legally bound by the same laws and standards as a as a taxi cab company. So really, they're, they're nothing more than, a, than an app on a phone or, or an IT company. So, you know, um, you know they also state that, that you, uh, you know, you're the user or you as the user 
um, are using the service under your own risk. So, um, now all, all that being said, my personal view is that you know that the rideshare companies will will improve within the next 12 to 18 months, and and you'll see a shift in safety and security standard to um, to bring them on par with. Uh, um, or, or perhaps even sur- surpass that of, of taxis. <clears throat> uh, moving on, we, we talk about cabs. Um, so, you know, cabs, you, they have to be registered. They, um, they've undergone, <coughs> excuse me, they must have undergone driver training and in, uh, some sort of induction training. Um, vehicles uh, must undergo, um, I understand, correction, vehicles undergo an annual serviceability checks and, and in some other, some locations they'll, they'll even undergo um, um, more regular uh, serviceability, serviceability checks. Obviously, they need to be clearly marked and they have communications back to base. Within Australia, the Passenger Transport Act and Transport Regulation, um, you know, deals with these matters. Uh, in each country throughout Asia, um, you know, they, they've got their own governing body uh, which, which deals with this. But that said, regulation in some countries throughout Asia is a little bit looser than others. Um, least favourable um, and, and definitely one that I would certainly not advise is utilising touts. Um, now, touts are those guys um, that, as you come out of some of these uh, airports, um, where they're standing around going, hey, mate, you need a cab, you need a car, you need a car, you need a car, um, you need a taxi, and they're not actually um, registered drivers or registered taxi drivers. Um, in some of these places, you, you don't even know if they've got a driver's licence. So, these are, you know, it's an undesirable form of, of transport, unknown serviceability of the actual vehicles. You don't know the driver. Uh, you don't know what standards they're, they're, they're being held to. It's potentially a scam. Um, and then you've got no recourse of, of action for any poor or, or, or even dangerous driving uh, or dangerous services. So really stay away from those guys. Um, security drivers, look, we, we're obviously going to advocate that. We are a security company. Um, you know, and the reason we advocate that is, look, you get a, it's a known quantity. Um, you get a serviceable vehicle. Um, you have um, the comforts of Wi-Fi. Um, you know, you'll, you'll generally be met with signage at a pre-arranged location and generally will have a, a, pre- a pre-arranged um, either a title or a code name. Um, you know, if, if you're Mr. Bloggs, we certainly wouldn't be standing there with a sign with Bloggs. Um, you know, you don't want everybody to, to, to know who you are um, um, and, and you, know, you know, your business and what you're doing there. So... From a security point of view, that's the reason we do that. Um, the driver is generally security trained. Uh, you may again have the comforts of a snack, you know, snacks and, and, and drinks, um, and they have twenty four seven communications back to an operation centre. So if anything does go wrong, or if there are any queries, you know, you've got immediate an immediate action that can that, that can occur. You've got quality controls and complaints procedures in place if required, um, and you can even also have the um, the luxury and the safety and security of, of being pre-checked into your hotel if requested. Um, you know, it's all about saving you time and creating a safe environment for, you, for, for the actual executive or or, or the traveller. Got it. So that's, I guess, the um, the four the four um, modes of transport that we'd be looking at. Right. So you mentioned a code name there to, to be put up for the security driver to have on the signage. Is that necessary for everyone or is that mainly for like VIPs and executives, you know, someone who, who might be a target for, for oh, someone? We, we, yeah, no, we, look, we advocate it for everyone. Um, we just think it's good practice. Uh, look, you know, people don't need to know who you are and who you're travelling. Um, you know, I have heard of stories of, of um, you know, high net worth individuals or, or um, you know, um, well-known CEOs where, where drivers have, you know, been switched out uh, with uh, local criminal organisations um, and just stood there with their, with their name on it. 
Um, and then right. next thing you know, that, that person's getting in the car with, you know, an undesirable person. So, so you know, whether it be, um, you know, a number or, or a series of letters, um, you know, but it's pre predetermined and, and um, the client knows who, who, who that is and, and what, what sign's going to be held. Okay. And, and what's your position on public transport, like uh, trains, buses and what have you? Um, look, there's a, there's a couple of trains of thought. Um, look, if you're travelling on, on business, I don't see that, uh, look, if, you know, within that policy, it should be a case of that you have a driver there, there to pick you up. You know, you shouldn't necessarily be, be travelling on the trains, obviously. Um, crowded locations becomes an issue. Um, they become a larger target um, for, for, for injury. Um, and, you know, it also opens up to, you know, everything to, from, petty, from, from petty crime right through to terrorism, you know, pickpocketers right through to, you know, terrorism. So we're not a, a huge advocate of, of going, jump on the train or, or, or grab, you know, local um, transportation. Um, I think you're better off with a much safer, safer um, route is to, to have organised or predetermined um, transport ready waiting for you. Okay, cool. And what, what about restaurants or eating places? What, Anything we need to be especially aware of for that? Yeah, good question, mate. So, obviously, uh, you know, you're flying away, you're flying overseas or, or um, where you're heading to, you're going to need to eat. So, it's always best to um, go off referrals, you know, referrals from friends or colleagues that may have travelled there previously. Alternatively, talk to your travel manager. Um, a good one should be able to, or will be able to provide you with, with some advice um, and at least... Uh, at least let you know where not to go to or at least stay, you know, stay away from. So another option is if you're staying at a reputable hotel chain and, and of course, no doubtedly you will be because you're already consulted with a security risk management company, um, is to, to ask the concierge. Um, they'll generally give you some reputable places, places to eat at. You know, the last thing that you need to do is end up uh, somewhere dodgy with you know, dodgy hygiene standards and then next thing you know, you're sick. You, know, you, know, you put it into a, a business perspective. Um, you know, you've, you've travelled all this way, um, you know, to close a deal and the next thing you know, you're stuck in a bathroom with a bad bout of traveller's diarrhoea. You know, you're always better off playing it safe. Um, go with those referrals. Go with, um, go with what works. Or alternatively, eat at the hotel if it's a reputable hotel. Got it. Got it. Okay. So speaking of hotels, what do we need to know about safety in and around the hotel? Yeah, so this is one that's probably overlooked the most and, and one that um, has the, the most impact, I guess. Look... We advocate um, floors or, you know, choosing a room, uh, floors three through to five. Um, we say that they're the best choice of hotels from a safety and security point of view. And there's a few reasons we say this. Um, one, levels one and two are a much easier target for thieves. You know, thieves are looking for a quick return. They don't want to mess around. They just want to be able to get it, um, you know, get into, uh, climb up one or two flights of stairs or take a quick trip in an elevator up to levels one and two, do their business and get out. You know, and, and while we're on the subject, I guess, um, you know, stay away from the rooms closest to the fire escapes. Uh, the, these are perfect escape uh, routes for, for opportunist thieves. So they get up there nice and quick, they get their gear, and then bang, they're straight out the, um, the fire escape. So um, as I say, um, they're after a quick and easy uh, way in and, and way out. Now, obviously, there is the attraction to the penthouse suite or the highest levels with the best views. Um, I'm guilty of it as well. Um, you know, but um, the issue with this is that you, you know, that you put yourself in um, um, danger in the event that there's a, there's a fire. It's it's a long way down. Now, if you base yourself on levels three through to five, um, then from a fire safety perspective, you you're a lot more accessible. Um, you have the potential to jump and remain relatively safe. Um, 
also, um, you know, uh, not all fire, not all cities have um, large fire ladders uh, on their you know their fire engines uh, or their fire trucks. Um, I believe that they can reach upwards of 35 metres. However, uh, you're better off playing it safe and, and giving yourself the best chances to get out safely. Stay in that you know th uh, level three through to five. Okay. And anything else to keep us safe in the hotel, Troy? Yeah, whilst we're talking about personal safety in the hotel, um, there's obviously a few methods you can employ to, to maintain both your safety and security while you're there. Uh, most hotels will have a door latch and yet not, not many people use it. Uh, we advocate latching your door as a habit. It's easy. Once you start doing it, you'll continue to do it. It's habit forming. It's, it's, it's a real easy fix. Um, if, you, uh, if you're wanting to be extra secured and you're worried about your personal safety whilst you're in your room, you can actually purchase a, a door stop um, for your room or a, a device which is a, a door jammer, a door jammer um, which essentially assists, you know, in the event that someone's trying to kick your door in or break in or, or whatnot. Um, one other easy strategy you can employ is, is to place the do not disturb sign out. Um, even if you're, you, you know, you're, um, you you know, you're, you're in the room, uh, it's an easy fix um, and will assist in keeping unwanted guests out. Obviously, you need to, you know, if you want housekeeping to come through, then um, just take it down. Um, but, um, you know, do so when you're in your room. So you can always have housekeeping come in there while you're there. Um, whenever I travel, or, you know, I'm always in there when housekeeping's there. Um, if you've got sensitive documents or, or uh, your laptop, you know, at least you can secure whatever's in your room whilst it's being cleaned um, and you can monitor what's going on. Right. So you mentioned they're having the do not disturb sign when you're in the room. But even if you're out of the room, you could have it on there to give the impression that you're in the room. Like, yeah, correct. Sorry, that probably didn't come out too well. But yeah, it, pretty much the whole time. So even if you're out of the room, leave it up. Um, yeah. It's just going to keep people people um, people out. Okay. All right. Now, thinking of a worst case scenario, and, and unfortunately these are becoming more commonplace. Uh, what do you do if you find yourself in, in a in a conflict scene? So it might be either a riot or a terrorist attack or even, you know, protests happening out on the street. What can you do in those situations? Yeah, look, um, unfortunately it is the way of the world at the moment. There's, there's you know, um, there's obviously been a fair few, few issues um, of late. Um, you know, obviously we advocate trying to avoid these areas um, if they're occurring, i.e. if there's a riot occurring, stay away from there. Um, you, you're obviously not going to be able to... Um, uh, predict terrorist attacks and whatnot, but um, look, if you know that there's uh, some disturbance in an area, then obviously stay away. But, um, you know, essentially we're talking about active shooter scenarios or armed defender incidents that you have no real control over. Um, the current trend is uh, around run, hide, fight. Um, however, there are, uh, you know, or we advocate um, the more recent methodology, which is move, uh, escape or attack. It's, it's a different train of thought, evokes a different response. Um, rather than seeing fighting or, or attacking, I should say, as the last response after hiding, it prepares your mind and your body to move uh, for a deliberate action or a purpose. Um, and, you know, that could either be uh, move, moving to escape or moving to attack the assailant rather than just telling yourself to go and hide and, um, and wait, to be, wait, wait to be found. Look, fight has, uh, the word fight has been replaced with attack. Um, this is deliberate in that not everyone knows how to how to fight or, or even feels comfortable fighting. I mean, there's nothing comfortable about fighting, but not everybody, um, you know, is comfortable with that. 
um, fighting conjures up images of rolling up the sleeves and duking it out, you know what I mean? Like getting in the ring and, and going at it when in fact, you know, in, when you're in this, this sort of situation, um, you change the, the word um, fight to attack, this means that you attack by any means necessary. Um, it's a different train, train of thought. You, know, you pick up a chair or a table or whatever it is you can get your hands on um, and you attack the assailant. Um, you know, if you become a tra become trapped in a situation, move to attack them and then escape. Right? You need to come up with a plan in your mind. You need to execute that. Um, certainly, that plan is going to change. Right? But if you've got something in your mind, then um, you're better off uh, with a with a clear plan, ready to go, than just sort of uh, panicking uh, when it does happen. Now, of course, putting distance between you and the, the armed defender isn't a bad thing. Um, so that's always something that you should should consider uh, doing as well. Now, obviously, you know, I'm not going to sit here and um, break down um, the whole Las Vegas shooting. If it's, I don't think that that's appropriate. Um, but certainly, that's just another example of um, an active shooter scenario, which, um, you know, realistically, was extremely difficult to, to counter and extremely diffi difficult to, to, to mitigate and, and get away from. Um, so just as part of this as well, moving away from the, the, the move, escape and attack uh, mindset, or, or correction, the, the, the speech, is communications, you know. Um, we need to address the, that, that communications plays an important role within these types of situations. So if you're in a confined area, you know, you're going to want to silence your phone for a start. Last thing you need is for that to be ringing and, and messages coming through if um, you've got a, an armed offender moving through the area. Um, it's all, all that's going to do is draw fire. Um, now, if you're travelling with others, and then, uh, then obviously once you get to a safe area, send out a text message, let people know where you are. Find out where they are. Find out if if they know what is going on, uh, and, and find out if they've got an escape plan that you can utilise. So, communications can be can, can, uh, is huge and plays a, an important role in, in this sort of situation. Got it. Got it. So, so my takeaway from that, Troy, and obviously these are situations that we don't even want to contemplate. But even if you just do contemplate it, you there's a chance you can take the edge off a of panic in that situation. So for me, just yeah. knowing in my head. Having seen those words written, move, escape, or attack, um, I, I know I've got something I can tell myself if I do find myself in that situation. So I'm not just uh, letting the amygdala take over and just go off in a panic and perhaps do the wrong thing. Can give me a yeah, suggestion. absolutely. I mean, if you're prepared for it, uh, and no one, no one can um, entirely be prepared for it, for for those sorts of situations. Don't get me wrong, um, yep. but certainly if you're aware of it, um, awareness, I guess, makes preparation. Um, and, and if you, know, you become prepared, then you, you're going to react in a, in a, in a, um, a more appropriate way than, than uh, panicking and potentially, um, you know, um, potentially uh, ending up in a, in, a, in, a, in a poor situation than what right. you already are. Okay, cool. All right, so let's go off on a, on a completely different tangent. What do you do if you're prompted for a bribe by an official when you're trapping? It could be a yeah, uh, you know, police officer... Definitely an interesting question. Um, obviously, the first the, the first thing you want to do is is uh, best practice is, is to avoid this situation by all means. Um, there's extremely harsh penalties for anyone um, bribing an official. Um, you know, it was only recently, I believe, there was a um, there was a, a few Australians caught up in in a mess in China in, in Macau, um, and, and there's been other situations where. Where this has come up, where um, you know Australians or Australians, Americans, um, Brits are all caught up in this sort of stuff. So, best practice is to avoid it. Obviously, if you put into that situation, there's a couple of tactics that you can utilise. Um, one would be just to act dumb, um, play the stupid tourist. 
um, you know, work on the fact, oh, sorry, we don't understand it, we don't do that back home, um, you know, um, it's not really something that we, we, we go with. Um, you know, you, 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 do, um, you do risk putting the, the, the person in an awkward position by, by knocking that sort of stuff back, but, um, you know, you're probably better off doing that than, than ending up in a prison. Look, if you're travelling with a security team, have them, go, you know, have them sort it out. Uh, and that doesn't mean have them go in there and pay it off. It, it basically just means it removes you from that situation. Um, you don't want to be involved in this sort of stuff. Um, you as the executive, you as the CEO, you as the director or the, the representative of the company, you cannot be caught up in this sort of sort of mess. So have the security team go and, go and sort it out. Um, you know, probably won't be the first time or that the, the, they've had to deal with this sort of stuff. But worst case scenario, if you need to go down that track, ask them for a receipt. You know, it's... it's um, it's going to throw them, uh, and then um, you know, at a later date, you can you know you can argue it was a legitimate payment. Just go, why why else would I have a receipt if I didn't think it was a legit legitimate payment? So, right. you know, obviously we advocate one hundred percent avoid it, but you know, there's a few techniques there that you, you might be able to utilise. It's also worth noting that citizens of um, of individual countries, including Australia, uh, are governed by specific laws within their own country against bribery and corruption, even when conducting business outside of their own country. Um, in fact, Australia is among several countries who are signatories to the OECD um, Anti-Bribery uh, Convention, um, which sets standards and makes recommendations on combating bribery. So, look, tough penalties apply. So, as I said, individuals conducting business internationally really should avoid this at all costs. Got it. Got it. Very good. Alrighty. Now, last point we've got here for the during travel section is talking about understanding local culture and customs. Why would that be useful for a business traveler? Yeah, look, you know, by by not understanding local customs, you, you place yourself in rather precarious positions. Um, and look, as tourists, we probably um, we probably all, all, all done it before. We've We've done something stupid without even knowing it. Um, but uh, look, most people in the service industry, like if you do it at the hotel, they, they generally make exceptions for travellers. But you know, if you if you offend the wrong person, you know, if you're in Indonesia and you you offend the wrong police officer, you may end up in jail. You know, until the, the matter gets sorted out. Um, you know, that's a worst case scenario. You know, uh, you know, it, a simple gesture of giving someone the OK symbol in Brazil is, is the same as a middle finger in other countries. So, understanding these little things can save you embarrassment and, and potentially even worse. You know, being detained or injured or, or um, you know, placing yourself at risk. So that's that's why it's always uh, worth understanding local custom, customs and culture. Got it. And I'd also add to that it, it's a very good idea to learn how to say hello and thank you in the local language. It's such a good icebreaker, and you you find that the the locals do warm to you if you're at least making an effort to communicate in the language where you can. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, people are so much more receptive if you know you just give it a crack. Um, you know, we're travelling up through Paris not that long ago, and you know, I oh, I'm terrible. My French is horrible, but um, um, you know, luckily my wife was you know she she, she can speak it, but uh, um. They, they have a laugh. It's, a, it's an icebreaker. You know, if you've got no idea what you're saying and you say something stupid, they laugh at you and, you, and, and they know that you're, um, you're giving it a crack. So, absolutely. Okay. All righty. So, that, that's the during section of the travel taken care of. Now, let's talk about after. When you get back home, why do we need to even be talking about what happens after, Troy? Yeah, look, there's a couple of things that you should, uh, should address on your return. And it, um, it doesn't have to be uh, overly taxing, but there's a couple of things that we should tick off on. 
Right, first thing you want to do is you want to check your credit card and your bank accounts for any unusual uh, amounts or unfamiliar charges. Now, often scammers will, will attempt to access your accounts with, with small amounts to start with. Now, obviously, when you're traveling, you, you, you're often handing your credit card over to various sets of hands. You know, it's going back and forth all the time. So uh, unless you make it a standard practice to watch each transaction being scanned, and you know, ideally you should where you can, um, you are still left, with, left exposed by card skimming devices which can be attached to FPOS machines. So, you know, they're, they're getting smaller and, and, and smarter these days. So check for any inconsistencies in your account. If it looks dodgy, follow up your bank um, or your credit card institution. And, I'll, you know, I'll just add another point here, Troy. Um, you, we're, we're making the point here about checking after your travel, and this shouldn't just be immediately after your travel. Even check your credit card statements six months down the track. I, I had a situation in Malaysia where my card was skimmed, but they didn't use it for another six months. Mm. And and if I hadn't been keeping an eye on it, I just would not have noticed it. Yeah, yeah. Look, they they're pretty smart. Um, you know, they 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 do know that uh, you, you can wait a little bit, and then um, and then they'll have a crack at it at a later later stage. So, look, you, every time you travel, check these things. Your credit card changes hands so many so many times. You just don't know. Okay. What else do we need to do once we get back? Sort of along the same lines is um, with your password. So. Um, you know, you, you've logged on to the free Wi-Fi in the in the hotel. You've logged on to the free Wi-Fi at the, at the airport, um, both of which you shouldn't have done, but you've done it anyway. Um, change your password as standard practice when you return from your journey. Um, you know, you may not feel like you've got the, any reason to do it, but um, it, it's good practice um, changing your password and, and will ensure that you you know you're no longer compromised. So, and if you are compromised, then it, uh, it makes it a lot harder for, for any of the hackers to get any further information uh, or, right. or data. Yeah, and just as you were saying that, I was thinking with cameras everywhere, there's, there's a good chance that someone could actually have footage of you typing your password into a keyboard somewhere, like even in a cab. Oh, yeah. You know, they, they're becoming more intricate um, with, with how they're doing things. They're, they're becoming a lot smarter on, on how they're, they're hacking into phones and, and, and computers and any, any other device. So it's, um, it's good practice just to to change all your passwords um, as you get back. So, okay. yeah. Got it. Um, on, a, on a different note, uh, medical checks if you're unwell. Look, this is all pretty self-explanatory. Uh, however, so many travellers pay it off. You know, whilst you're, whilst you're travelling, your immune system is under greater stress. You sleep less. You don't always eat the healthiest. Um, so, look, even if you come up with a, a mild fever or if you're not feeling 100%, go get it checked out. Um, some of the remote locations that you may have travelled to may and still do have conditions that are not entirely common back home. So um, certainly not suggesting you're going to come back with Ebola, but uh, definitely worth going to get checked out and, and making sure that you, you know, you're, you're running at 100%. So, and that's an easy fix. Just pop down to the doctor. Lastly, but uh, certainly not, la not least, is um, complete an after-action report. And this is really good practice uh, for everyone. Uh, basically, it's a debrief, but uh, a debrief, but it's in written form. Um, look, if you're a busy CEO or a company director and you don't have time to write this out, then then dictate it, record it, give it to somebody else to write. It's a it's a simple document um, on, on on matters that went well, what didn't go well, where improvements can be made, any safety or security issues, uh, any specific points of contact, um, who's best to deal with, who treats you well, who didn't treat you well where to avoid, what was the security like, all those sorts of matters. 
Um, so all these things are important and it's going to assist uh, other travellers' experiences, both from a comfort and safety perspective. Um, and, and look, that could be handed off to your, um, your company security uh, department or, or you know, your security manager um, to compile those reports or come up with a format. Uh, alternatively, you know, you can, you can, you know, you can um, have another company come in and, you know, similar to what we do, you know. So, look, it, it's, 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 um, it's definitely a very powerful tool by having a, a report or a record of, of previous travel. Very good. All righty. So, Troy, looking at the list, that just about wraps us up for the, uh, for the during and after section. Thanks for your time today. Um, and, I, and I'll let the listeners know this is as heavy as it's going to get. We've been pretty intense in episodes two and three. Uh, things will be much shorter and, and I guess I'll say sweeter, for want of a better word, as we move forward. But uh, well worth spending some time listening to these episodes, downloading the checklist yourself, which you can get at wheelsuppodcast.net, um, and then tune into the following episodes. And we'll have more specific tips about specific uh, things to do with travel and security. Perfect. Thanks, Troy. We'll see you. Thanks, Brett. Talk to you soon. You've been listening to the Wheels Up podcast with Troy Clayton. For more information, show notes, resources, and subscription options, visit wheelsuppodcast.net. Wheels Up is brought to you by the Experts On Air podcast network. Until next time, safe travels.